Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. More like annoying to God, right? Then if you're in constant conversation with Him about your needs, and then you also have this other need you're passionate about, it might be for you, but it might be for somebody else, or it might be about some circumstance. Uh, that you would like to see happen. But let's look for some things Jesus taught here. Verse 1, I still have to get there, I guess. In Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, you'll recognize some of this, I'm sure, but we're going to take a look at it from this angle. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, that's Jesus, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, uh, give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I cannot emphasize enough, I've mentioned it recently even from the pulpit, that I believe that Christians ought to pray first thing in the morning. We see many faithful followers of the Lord praying in the morning throughout scriptures. Habitually, we see Jesus getting up before light and going out to a desert place and praying. And then when the rest get up, they try to go find Him. You know, and they find him praying. Uh, This prayer is a prayer I believe meant to be prayed in the morning, not by way of uh, reciting it verbatim. Okay, that's another subject, and I think Anthony has dealt with that, uh, that this isn't something we have to quote. However, take a look at some of the things we're praying about in here. We ought to persist, first of all, in verse 2, in glorifying our Father in heaven. We ought to persist in that. God, I want to glorify you because you're worthy of it. Read the book of Revelation, especially chapter 4, and see who it is who is worthy of glory and honor and wisdom and strength. It's our God. And every time we pray, but especially in your personal prayers, before you run ahead into the things you need, we should persist and worshiping our God in prayer and saying, Our Father, which John said, Behold what great love that is that He has called us His children, and glorify Him for what He's done, for what He's made. Even if your life isn't going so hot right now, can you glorify Him for the power that He has displayed in this world and for the blessings that He has given you? Absolutely. It's important to remember to acknowledge God and who He is to us in our prayers. Also in verse 2, we ought to persist in asking God's will to be done on earth, including our involvement in it. May your will be done, God. Well, what is that will? We know there's, there's a number of things we could say, but essentially that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
God desires that all men be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. It is not God's will that He desire any should perish, Peter said, but that all should come to repentance. So we know there's some things generally that we ought to pray for, like God's will being done so that more people can be saved. And that begs the question, how do I play a role in that, doesn't it? So naturally you'd weave into that, use me today, as Paul wrote to Timothy, as a, as a vessel useful in your kingdom. Like a, like a vase that you use every day to pour into and drink out of or to water from. Use me like that every day uh, to do your will. So I want to pray that your will be done, but inherent in that is, and I want to be a part of that. We should pray that persistently every day. Shamelessly bold about it. Use me. Also in verse 3, we ought to persist in asking for God to take care of our daily sustenance. You know, here in America, we don't think of that as much of a thing. In fact, we have refrigeration and uh, freezers that have food in them. And we think about maybe we got to hurry up and eat some of this stuff before it goes bad. <laughs> That's the problem that we face most often is wonder what's getting freezer burnt. We better eat that. Oh, it's already freezer burnt. Sometimes we throw it away. But I want to tell you that can change when God decides that's going to change in America, can it? We can have a drought. We can have year after year after year of bad yields and find ourselves searching for food. That can happen when He decides it will happen. So don't overlook that. Don't overlook your daily needs for food and clothing and shelter. And again, inherent in that is... I wonder if I see anyone that has any needs that I can be a part of your will to meet those needs. There are people around us, you know. There may be some in here. And I love how the church is always ready to help uh, with food that we have on hand, with people who can help walk people through these difficult times. That's happening actually for some at this very time. But don't forget to pray for yourself. Just give me what I need today. You know what else that does? It helps you not to think like that rich fool who thought about laying up in store all the time. Just be thankful for what you have today and pray for what you have today. Say, Lord, thank you for feeding me today. And, and thank Him throughout the day for that. Here's another one. We ought to pray persistently to ask God to forgive our sins. I need to do that in the morning at the noontime, in the evening, when I go to bed. But, you know, when you pray, Lord, forgive our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And here he even makes a statement that someone might say, for we have forgiven those who are indebted to us. It'll keep me from sinning. There's a little psychology at play here, too. When I'm praying about my sinfulness in the morning, I'm more in tune with my walk during the day. But we, we're wanting God to go with us and forgive our sins. And we also want to be forgiving others their sins. Because somebody will probably trip you up throughout the day, sometime or another, in some way. We ought to pray in verse 3, finally, that God does not lead us into temptation. I'd rather Him lead me in the paths of righteousness than in the path of temptation, wouldn't you? 
Now, there's a couple people that have been led into temptation. Can you think of any? That the Bible says we're led into that temptation. Job was one. God said, have you considered my servant Job? I hope he doesn't do that to me. Have you, do you remember Jesus? The first thing he did when he was baptized, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Some way to begin your ministry, but guess what? It sharpened him. It sharpened him. But I don't want to learn that way. I would rather learn by daily being submissive to his will, being obedient to it, and giving him something to work with so that he doesn't have to continually look at me and say, boy, Matt, you need some discipline. Matt, I'll tell you what, if you think, you know, if you think you've got it rough, I'm going to let you uh, have a day with Satan today. We're going to see how you do with that. I don't want him to do that. But it is in his cards to play if he so chooses to lead you in that way. I want to be delivered from Satan. So I want to pray persistently about that. Do you see how there's things that, that you want to pray persistently that are not... This, this isn't, if, you, if you allow yourself, you'll get into a rut. If you allow yourself, you'll, you'll catch yourself falling asleep saying the same things. But if you understand what you're praying, you'll pray this passionately every day. Lord, don't lead me into temptation today. Thank you for what you've given me and give me just what I need today. Lord, you are the great God of heaven. You've saved me. Don't leave me now. Walk with me today. These are things that we should be able to, to pray. And then those things that you're thinking of. When you think of being persistent, that, that thing that maybe you've been praying for for years, do you have something that you've prayed for for years? Do you have something that someone that you've prayed for for years? Um, maybe you haven't received the answer to it yet, to that prayer. Uh, maybe you have and you're rejoicing in it and you believe all the more and are praying more persistently about other things. Maybe you haven't seen the answer to the prayer. Maybe you haven't put yourself in the position to receive that blessing. Because something else that goes with prayer, as Anthony's been preaching, is our commitment to the Lord, our walking and our watching for Him to act. We don't want to be double-minded and pray something to God and then go and, and just think worldly again. We want to pray and then walk in such a way that we're watching for the Lord to, to respond. And so let's go on and look now at um, the second part. Persistent positions you to hear God when He responds. Persistence positions you to hear God when He responds. Essentially, you stay in tune with Him. These things don't leave your heart and mind. They're important. If it's praying for someone to be saved, if it's praying for the souls of family members or neighbors or friends, these are things that are important to God. And they should be things that um, retain import to us in our prayers. And so here he says in verses 5 through, nine, uh, five through 10 something that, that should help us realize that God is, is listening. He hears. That's not a question. He's willing to answer. That's not a question either. We've seen verse after verse in this sermon series where Jesus said, I will do that for you. If you pray to me with all your heart, I will answer you. 
right? And we, we know cases where he's answered immediately. Even someone this morning said, you know, when I pray about something that has to do with somebody's soul, I always seem to see the results of that almost immediately within days when I'm praying for someone uh, where God is moving or working. That doesn't mean that person responds to the gospel in days, but that God is immediately engaged in that. Now look at this comparison and see if God is happy to answer your prayers or not. Verse 5, And He said to them, Jesus did to His disciples, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Or out of food, right? We don't usually run into that problem, right? But here this guy's run into a problem, no fresh bread. And he'll answer him from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. He said, guys, do you have friends like that? He asked his disciples. Then he says this, here's the transition. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, that is his shameless boldness, come on, I need some bread. Please, come on, buddy. Hey, you remember that time when we uh, and I... Because of his shameless boldness, he'll rise and give him as many as he needs. So, Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So I don't think he's comparing the friend to God in that he's unwilling to get up and give us something when we need it. He's saying, so if this man who is a friend doesn't get out of bed to give him something, but because you persist, he'll do it. How about God when you say, my Father in heaven, I really need you right now. He said, knock, and the door will be opened. He doesn't say, knock, and God's going to grouch at you for asking such a dumb question. He doesn't say knock and wait outside the door forever. He says knock and God will get on it. He will get on it. Now that has to be seasoned with something else that we learn. That we're praying for God's will concerning our prayers and, and His answers. Is that not right? We want His will. So if God assesses our need... And he already knows what we have need of before we ask, Jesus said in Matthew 6. If he assesses our need and he sees us come to the door, the response is not, I think I'm going to just bait you for a while and see how bad you really want this. And it's certainly not that he'll forget, maybe, because he's busy, and you've got to go back and knock again. Wouldn't you agree? That's not really the issue. It's that he's going to go to work but it's going to be on His time, according to His wisdom, considering not just this one thing, probably, but many things and many people, which requires usually time. And it requires His providential work. And what do we see sometimes? We see what Job saw sometimes, nothing. Job had no idea 
that there were conversations going on in heaven about him. No idea whatsoever. He just looked around and, what did you do to me? But he stayed committed. He was unabashedly, shamelessly bold, wasn't he? Wasn't he? And finally it came out, God, you were behind this indeed, but I was wrong in that I thought you didn't care, and in fact you cared so much that many good things have come from this, not the least of which is us reading this story in our time of need and knowing, like James later wrote, the end intended by the Lord. James chapter 4, he comments on that, book of Job. There was an end intended by the Lord. So Job had to wait for how long? I don't know. Too long for him, an eternity for him, it seemed like. And so what we're doing is saying, your will be done. And when that happens, I believe that Jesus is teaching you should stay persistent, tuned in to the Lord, laying that request before him, maybe asking for different specifics. Lord, today... If they need discipline, this person, discipline them with your gentle and loving hand. Lord, perhaps they just need to know their love today. Would you make sure that I have an opportunity or that someone has an opportunity to let this person know that they're loved because they're troubled? Lord, today, would you give me the boldness to speak to that person? You see, it's all the same prayer, really. God help uh, who I'm praying for, for example. But the persistence keeps you in tune and it keeps you ready and positioned to actually play a part if God needs you to play a part in answering that prayer. Does that make sense? Nod your head if it does. I know this is, boy, we're getting into how God works though and uh, His nature. And I think it's fascinating. And He's not the grumpy friend. Thank goodness that you just got to keep banging your knuckles on the doors of heaven just to get him to listen to you. That's not the point. I like how David, who has experience with this, says it in Psalm 37. In 1 through 9, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let me, let me just capture the, the highlights. Do not fret. Trust in the Lord and do good. And He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit, and He shall bring it to pass. Rest and wait patiently. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. I like in Psalm 27 how he says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Here's David who had some experience with this. Here's one way he was persistent. David would continually go to God when there was a problem in his, during his reign, and, say, and the Bible says in the New King James that he would inquire of the Lord. That means he would ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this still being a time where God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, sometimes uh, came and spoke to them audibly, would come and speak to David and tell him what to do. One of the most fascinating accounts of this, in my opinion, is in 2 Samuel 5, where David is in Jerusalem, and he hears, or excuse me, he's, a, a, he's appointed the king. The Philistines hear that David has been appointed king. All right, this is their giant slayer that they hate. And right away, they deploy their troops, and they come all the way up. It says the Valley of Rephaim, which runs right up 
the base of the mountain to Jerusalem. And David uh, ends up going out and meeting them at Belperazim, which is actually up from Jerusalem a little higher. So they came right into town, essentially, just outside of Jerusalem. It says, David went down into the stronghold, which became the city of David. And he inquired of the Lord, and he said, Shall I go up against them? And the Lord said, You shall go up against them. I'll deliver them into your hand. And David went up, and he drove them off, and he brought back the spoils and booty. He brought back their idols and all these types of things, cleared out the countryside of those people, and brought them back into the city, only to find out within time that they are deployed again, more angry, probably more troops, and a little more prepared, I would imagine, after getting beat like that, in the same place, same people, same place, same purpose, same trouble. David's inquiring of the Lord. Shall I go up against them? Will you deliver me them, them into my hand? And the Lord says, I will. But I want you to go around behind them this time. And when you hear the sound of marching coming through the mulberry trees, come upon them. That's fascinating to me. First of all, because David could have said, okay, well, the last time this happened, I just did this and it worked. But he wanted to know what God had to say again, today, this day. It could be different, right? There's unknown things that maybe that David doesn't see. And so he says, yes or no. And God says, yes, and I'll even tell you how to do it this time to win because they're probably prepared for the same method as the last time, right? That's fascinating to me. Because what it tells me is, when I'm praying daily, and sometimes it's the same trouble, maybe I think something works out, and, I, and I, I learned how to handle that, and it comes up again. Or with another person, or another problem comes up, and I have to resolve something. I want to go to God every single time, persistently, to ask Him, what is your will on this? Would you show me? what you want me to do. And from the sermon I preached about a month ago or so, we learned about how God opens doors and closes doors. Finally, persistence rests in the goodness of God. In the goodness of God. Let's read these last few verses that I had chosen, verses 11 through 13, and then we'll wrap up. So after Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, and the answer to that is what? Well, no, you, know, you can hear, no, it's a rhetorical question. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What a stark contrast this is between persistence and the results of it and vain repetitions, which Jesus warned about in Matthew 6. Here Jesus teaches us how to come close to God in prayers daily about some of the same things. He is a Father who wants to bless His children not like a divine 
a slot machine where you keep pulling the handle and eventually it, it'll, it'll, you'll hit it right and get, get a jackpot from God. He wants us to come to Him relationally every day. Repetition happens on the, uh, to the benefit of the, the petitioner. Uh, either it makes us feel pious to just repeat the same prayers, or it makes us appear pious to those who are around us by repeating prayers to be heard and seen by men. But the persistent person that Jesus is looking for here and teaching to pray is one who lays down their will that he may work his through us. And it requires us to be in constant communion with God. Those prayers and those responses are not inhibited by any ceilings. And God will work closely with us. There's many other things to be, be persistent about yourself and your own soul, for sure. Maybe your spouse, if you're married. Your children, for sure. No matter how old they are, praying for their hearts and God to work in their lives. Your parents, if they're still alive. Those who are lost, for sure, and, and the ones whom you know, actually, and can work with. Those who are hurting, those who are in danger. This shameless boldness is welcomed by God in every one of these situations. Praying for God to work in their hearts and surround them with influential people that they might have a that you might have a door open to speak a word to them. All of these things are things that you can pray for when you're thoughtful and watchful. One of the things we're praying persistently about is uh, here in the church is the future of our church. Um, what we can do together as a body, how we can grow the kingdom also. And uh, there's been much discussion. We've gotten, gotten input from the church uh, in, in recent months and still are putting some things together there. But we want to continue to pray for the church. I'd like to pray uh, with you that prayer that we've been praying each week here from the pulpit that we want you to take with you and, and um, voice before God. And then we will... Um, uh, we'll close, and I would like to invite anyone who needs to become a Christian uh, to put on Christ in their life as Lord and Savior, and let Him bless you richly with His good grace by walking with you and leading you in all the needs that you have, especially of the saving of your soul. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, it's good to be before you, dear God, as a body of believers coming together here in this place. The communion was sweet. The words are here for us to receive from your word. Thank you for them. Father, we will praise you in song, and I pray that every one of us will sing from our heart with an understanding. Father, I want to ask for you to use us how you would have us to be used. We know what your will is in general, but we don't always know specifically, step by step, what the future holds or how we should uh, move and, and what uh, methods we should use to do things. And so we're asking you to open those doors wide open that we might see and go through them together. Father, I pray that many souls will be saved in this area where people are moving into. People are flocking into this area, and we want to make sure that they hear the gospel. Help us to be mobilized individually and also as a, as a group to uh, win people to you. Forgive our sins, dear God this very day. Wash us in the blood of Jesus and set us off, Father, toward another week where we can be in the world but not of the world. 
and where we can uh, be a blessing to people that are around us who need to see your light. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.